Hello and welcome back to the History of Video Gaming. My name is Ben and I'm joined by the one and only Wes. How you doing, Wes? I'm doing great. How you doing? I'm doing good, man. Um, maybe a little tired, but you know, it's uh, Sunday night and the week is upon us. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, for better or for worse. No, but it, <laughs> it's good. Yeah, we, we've been we're past the mark of doing this for two years. We got only the horizon of podcast recording ahead of us. You know, it's a good time. <laughs> you know, think about probably this time last year. What were you we doing? Probably reviewing like Pong games. Breakout. Yes. Yeah. And lucky that uh, we aren't doing any Pong games today. Uh, I know. Well, hmm. <laughs> well I, did, I haven't. Maybe you have. I don't know. We'll no, see. that's true. No, I guess I don't have Pong games, but I'll get into what I'm doing later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you want to start by talking about some of the games we've been playing? Yeah, absolutely. So I got an exciting one. And one I think okay. I gave you a little teaser on. I, a couple weeks ago, bought new Pokemon Snap which is the name Ooh. for the new Pokemon Snap game. <laughs> it's actually called New Pokemon Snap? Yeah, it's just called New Pokemon Snap. That's the whole name. Why? <laughs> they should just... Okay, whatever. <laughs> I mean, they even could have just called it like Pokemon Snap again. Like, I know. Just Yeah. And then everyone would have bought it anyway. But <laughs> for better, for worse, it's called New Pokemon Snap. It's for the Switch, of course. And for those of you who aren't familiar... Pokemon Snap was originally a game on the Nintendo 64 where you are just like on this preset track in this weird space age vehicle for some reason. And you got to take pictures of Pokemon doing various things. And then Professor Oak's like, yeah, that's a nice picture. Or he's like, man, that picture <laughs> sucks. And that's kind of it. Although you can like interact with Pokemon to make them do different things. Uh, the first game is a little bit cruel, where like to get to some of the extra stages, you have to throw an apple at a Voltorb to make it self-destruct and blow up a wall. <laughs> nice. Uh, so <laughs> it's a little mean in that way, but that's the basic premise of the series. And new Pokemon Snap does the exact same thing, except makes it better, which is like all I could have hoped for. Mm -hmm. It's of course looks great because it's on the Switch, so they can make it look a lot better. No more like polygon duos and square pikachus and stuff like that so the environments look really good and they took out the tool called the pester ball because i guess they figured that was too mean so you don't just like throw this object which sole purpose is to annoy the pokemon anymore um, but you can still hit them on the head with apples and the professor gives you extra points for getting a picture of them in pain uh so nice. <laughs> there's a little bit of weirdness there but it varies up the traditional gameplay in a nice way by giving you multiple categories for each Pokemon that you need to get a picture of. So there's like one star pictures, which are just it doing normal activity, and then all the way up to four star, which is it doing like the weirdest thing that you wouldn't expect it to do. And those, a lot of times, you have to like do multiple things in the level beforehand, like take a picture of a certain Pokemon or hit a rock or something or distract this other pokemon to get like the chain reaction of events to make this pokemon all the way at the end of the course do something different so it's both maddening and really interesting to try and figure out what they are sometimes it's really easy like there's an arbok giant snake which is like attacking a small pokemon you just hit the arbok with an apple and it runs away <laughs> and then the uh the little guy is very thankful and you can take pictures of it thanking you uh and then sometimes it's like 
I don't know, you have to like hit three different things with the special ball to make them all go in the same area. And it gets very confusing. But it has kind of the problem with, uh, for me, that a lot of modern day games do, which make me feel like a old man gamer, where I'm almost like, could you put a little less content in the game? Like, <laughs> I go through all these levels and I just keep unlocking more stuff, which is really weird. I'm glad that there's lots of courses, but it's just, I don't know, like, uh, at some point, I, I kind of feel like, okay, I'm done with the game. I wish I was finished with it instead of just like exhausted playing it, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but overall, it just kind of does exactly what I hoped the sequel would do. On the surface, it doesn't sound like a ton. It says like only 200 Pokemon, even though there's like 900 in all the games now. But when you consider the first game, I played for like 30 hours and it only had apparently like 60 Pokemon. And <laughs> I've played this one for about 20 hours so far. And I've only discovered 150 of them. Uh, it works out. So yeah, it, it's just really cool. Lots of varied environments, beautiful stuff to look at, and lots of reason to replay the same courses over and over again instead of going to all the different ones too. Nice. That sounds really good. I mean, I remember playing the first one and just loving it, just like I think everybody who played it. <laughs> so that's awesome that they did that. It was definitely like one of those remakes that everybody's like when are they gonna do this like it seems obvious yeah yeah it was long overdue and <laughs> yeah and i was just like so happy that i don't know i haven't read a lot of reviews on it to see what other like hardcore fans think but for me it was just like exactly what i wanted out of it mm -hmm. it checked all the boxes that's the thing about pokemon and like nintendo games man you know it's not gonna be like trash when you pick it up <laughs> like it might not be perfect but it's gonna be a good time yeah, yeah, they know what they're doing for the most part. I'm sure they've had some real bad stuff along the way, but pretty much it's like, okay, I'm not going in blind to this investment because there's a good name behind it. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, that's pretty much what I've been up to. Uh, what have you been playing recently? Well, I've been playing a couple things, but I want to talk about chess again because I kind of want to close the chapter on it. <laughs> Basically, I was playing like just about every day and my goal was always to beat my previous, like, record in terms of rating because i had no idea where that previous record came from and felt like it wasn't accurate at all and i didn't like that it was like on my profile as like oh this person's at this rank when i feel like i never got there right so um i finally was able to do it <laughs> uh probably i guess it was last weekend i was able to do it and uh man it, it, it felt good I got up to 1350 exactly in terms of rating, which nice. I was really happy about. And it broke my previous quote unquote record by four points. So <laughs> it was funny. I had, I was like probably one win away, I think three times before I got it. So I was like one win away and then I lost and one win away and then I lost and then one win away. I finally got it. And I played another game thinking, oh, let's see if I can push it now. And then, of course, I lost like the next three <laughs> games or something. <laughs> so I was uh -huh. like, okay, well, we're, we're done. We're done. <laughs> and uh, since then, I, I still play like maybe um, every couple of days or something, but I've been really just like dialing it back. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I can just kind of relax. I don't really have to worry if I'm going to win or lose. Like, it doesn't matter because who cares about the rating now? <laughs> like I got it. So, right. Yeah. Um, went back and started like 
learning some opening stuff again. So yeah, just kind of enjoying it a bit more now that the stress of being like so close and then thinking, oh man, if I lose like three games in a row, it's like a week's worth of <laughs> grinding just gone. <laughs> so it's kind of a the end of that. I, I don't think I'm going to play like too hardcore much anymore, really. Um, yeah, well, that's nice. You can enjoy it in a different way now that you, yeah. you met that goal, you know? Yeah, yeah. It can just be that thing I do to relax and not just like, you know, really concern myself about it <laughs> and be right. like, well, if I skip today, <laughs> you know, maybe I'll get worse. So, um, but yeah, so it's been probably like six months since I started playing again and uh, finally got it. So. And just to like put that into perspective, to be like, I think a master, I think you have to be at like 2000. So, like, I'm nowhere close to that. <laughs> but uh, I think I said it was, I was in like the top 88% of all players. So, I'll take it. <laughs> hey, yeah. I mean, that's still something. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So, that's what I've been doing. Nice. <laughs> I've been doing some other stuff, but that's the main thing I want to talk about, just to like kind of close the door on it now. Right. Right. Very cool. All well, right. Do you think we should uh, move into our special topic for the day? Yeah. So for our special topic today, we're going to look at the history of some very small companies. I like doing these history episodes because it means I can kind of put it up on the website and just kind of like go back and revisit some of these really weird off the wall titles and, and companies that um, did their like one or two or three games and then called it quits. So <laughs> it's always interesting to see. We're going to cover three of these companies today. All of them, I think, only made one like real video game. And we've covered all those video games in honorable mentions. So we're not going to see these companies ever again. So I figured, eh, let's look, you know, kind of go over them real quick. Two of them are from 76. We're going to start there. The first one is from the company Century Consolidated. And we have looked into this company trying to find information about them. And we just could not really find much. I do know that they made other electromechanical games and like pinball games and slap machines and stuff like that. But uh, the only video game they ever made was called The Grand Slam, The Grand Slam 8, which came out in August of 76. And it was a collection of five Pong games, wouldn't you guess? <laughs> Pong, Hockey, Crazy Ball, which I don't know what that one is. <laughs> Knockout, which is like a clean sweep kind of game. And Breakout, which at the time was probably a pretty good addition because I think Breakout came out in 76. So, you know, right after Breakout came out, this one came out and it also had original Pong and hockey and stuff and combined. So I thought that was kind of a nice addition at the time. But that's all that was really made from that one. I don't know if you have anything you wanted uh, to say about that one. Well, the actual cabinet looks pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i nothing like on the sides at all <laughs> i couldn't really find too much more info on them either other than like towards the end of 78 i think they made a couple pinball machines that looked pretty cool but not really anything that we're super interested in you know one thing that's weird about it to me is that the game is called the grand slam 8 but there's only five games in it. <laughs> so i don't think they can count right yeah, I'm not sure what kind of weird marketing ploy that is. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that's that's the first one. That one's an easy one. Just get it out of the way. The next one's called Universe 2, but it, the universe is spelled without an E. Again, uh, maybe that's a, a French thing because this company's French, right, Wes? Yes. Yeah, yeah. At least their flyers 
as far as I can tell, looked like they're French. I'm not a, gotcha. <laughs> I didn't copy paste into Google to do the to Google translate, but. <laughs> right. Well, this company's called Sofadis, or I don't know. That's how I'm saying it. That's the American pronunciation. Right. <laughs> it basically, it just looks like a version of Knockout, which is a Ram Tech game, kind of like a clean sweep game. I thought it was in color. Upon more visual glance, I'm thinking it's probably an overlay, like a color overlay over the top. But, um, I mean, it looked okay. It didn't look bad, but it came out in 76 again, and it definitely looks like a game that should have come out in, like, 74, so... Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we obviously didn't cover this one, and, um, again, this one's another one of these. It's just, like, a tabletop arcade game with just wood grain around all four sides, so you really just don't get much. I do think the Sofidus logo is kind of cool. I don't know. It almost has like a Star Wars text, you know, at the beginning of the movies vibe to it. Right, right. The text crawl. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, there's not too much going on there. <laughs> yeah. And we really couldn't find much more info on them at all uh, for whatever reason. Maybe they went into a different industry or just totally disappeared. But <laughs> right, right. Well, there's a, there's are two arcade companies that uh, we're not going to ever see again. But, you know, they saw that breakout or clean sweep style game and they're like you know what i can do this and then they never did another one so it probably didn't go well (laughs) but then this last company is a little different yeah yeah so the last one we have to talk about is tbm which is the initials for the names of the three original founders taberoni boldini and morisi which if that doesn't give you a hint it is an italian company and the main game that they came out with that we wanted to talk about is this breakout game clone in 1978 called Off Limits, which just literally has Darth Vader just on the cabinet. <laughs> yeah. Um, not even like, I mean, maybe they took some of the buttons off of his big chest plate, but like, it's very <laughs> not legal, I guess. Or, you know, they didn't care that they were just like taking Darth Vader and X-Wings and a TIE fighter and slapping it on there. And Weirdly enough, for some reason, they did care about having Luke on there, or they just didn't understand, because in front of Darth Vader is what looks like Han Solo with a red lightsaber, um, which just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. <laughs> and also all of this for a breakout game, which is just, as far as I could tell, a very simple breakout game with no like models or anything to imply ships and space and lightsabers. Um, but you know, they had some imagination, just threw it on there. Uh, the game itself looked pretty simple. I think it was black and white with a color overlay for the bricks, like we've seen with a lot of these. But the company is apparently still in business today. They just like totally went off of arcade cabinets and went to gambling games and still make uh, like casino cabinets and some that are even based off of this original cabinet. There's like a 2015 off limits uh, slot machine. That has like uh, knockoff versions of Yoda and then like a straight up stormtrooper as one of the slots that you can <laughs> spin. Uh, so it's just, I don't know, interesting company, but still around today. They made that game and I think they made a follow up to it a little bit later. That was just another breakout game. Interestingly, though, they did distribute through uh, Zakaria or Zachariah, who we'll probably talk about later, but they're like a big, I don't know if they're just Italian or if they're also like European distribution company and they did actually produce a different version of this off-limits cabinet through Zakaria that had like decal of all the different game modes 
So it wasn't a total like a cop out breakout game. It actually had like seven game modes, I think, in one of the versions. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, still nothing too exciting. But at least TBM is still around today in some capacity. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. And interestingly, um, you can find information on this company on the Italian coin-op video games zone website which is just like a website purely devoted to like italian arcade machines which is great but uh they say um that there is one working unit that has been located of this game and it's currently in what i think is probably an arcade bar or something in uh bologna italy so you can still go and find this game which is kind of cool so yeah that one i definitely like a little bit more as far as the actual game though like I know there's seven variations of like breakout, but they just like have like the wells, they have the breaks in the wall. I think that's it though. Like, I don't even think they cloned a super breakout. Maybe that's what their follow up was because they did have one called super off limits, but I don't believe it's known exactly what that one did or if it actually came out at all. Apparently, a a marquee has been found, but no innards to know what it did. So. But yeah, TBM, Sofidis, and Century Consolidated, three companies that only made one real video game. They were all kind of like breakout and clean sweep-esque games. But uh, two of them were in 76 and then <laughs> Off Limits was in 78, which sounds like it's really late to the party, but <laughs> Super Breakout did come out that year. So, <laughs> um, you know, it was still popular even back, even in 78, I'm sure. So, yeah, three small ones that uh, we're never going to say again. So <laughs> might as well remember them for what they were. But with that, let's head over to the games. We've got quite the lineup today. So let's hop over, get into it. Oh, yeah. everybody welcome back from that brief break let's get right into our games today 
We got some interesting stuff on the timeline, and we are starting right off with something that I took a look at. Uh, keeping you in the action, no delay. Honorable mentions, they can wait for later. So <laughs> let's start off with the Unisonic Champion 2711, 2711 by Unisonic, a second generation console that uses the 8800 chip from General Instruments. And this is second generation, so it did have game cartridges. We have seen some 77 dates for this as well, but it kind of makes more sense for it to be coming out in 77. Uh, either way, though, it's interesting because it didn't come with any onboard games, as far as I could tell. It looks like it just came shipped with one cartridge of four games, and then also four more cartridges were released later for it. The chip itself is really interesting because General Instruments had just come out with this new programmable chipset and Unisonic said, hey, we want to use that for our console. And it is one of the few machines to ever actually use the 8800. Part of the reason being that General Instruments came out with the more powerful full range 8900 slightly after, which was much more widely used. Uh, so it kind of puts the Unisonic champion in this weird place where it's got this new chip that isn't really as great as the thing that's going to come right after it. <laughs> they did, though, lobby a famous sports commentator named Jimmy Snyder to promote the console. Uh, the article I was reading this from points out that it didn't sell very well, though, so that might not have really garnered it much favor. Uh, and the console itself is pretty bland looking, which we kind of expect from consoles of this era this one though instead of going for straight wood grain does have like silver all over it like you know the vision of the future from the 70s uh, so it does kind of have mm -hmm. that nice nostalgic feel to it uh, but also these really weird corded like super long controllers i think they slid out and they were basically like the length or the height of the console was like how long the controller is like gigantic joy cons kind of and it didn't look like they had a joystick on them either. They must have had like some sort of directional movement though to play some of these games. But other than that, the face of it just has reset, yes, and no, which is <laughs> an <laughs> okay. uninteresting control scheme. Uh, but getting into the games, we're just going to cover all of the games that ever came out for this in one batch because they're all pretty similar or simple enough that we felt like we could kind of roll them all together. Uh, so starting out with the set of games that came with it, which would be Pack Zero One. This was uh, the Blackjack and Baccarat or Bakara pack. And Bakara, I had no idea what it is, but it is basically a another typical card game. It kind of went over my head, but it seems similar to Blackjack. It's just that, like, in this weird way, the player's hand and the dealer's hand, they don't actually own. There's just kind of like multiple hands on the table and you can bet on whichever one you think is going to win even if it's not the hand that was dealt to you and also there's like different number values and each round is determined by who gets a eight or a nine cumulative first or something like that uh, but the way that these play out is just pretty simple blackjack and baccarat which is you know a similar game and there's four games on this, but those are just the one and two player versions of each of these games. Uh, so nothing too special with those. Then pack two is four different versions of poker. 
It has the typical five card and seven card stud, which look like they're played like Texas Hold'em style-ish. I don't know a bunch about how games are actually played in casinos, so it might be different. Um, but basically, there's one player for both of these modes, and everybody's cards are played face up. So it's just you against the uh, dealer. Then there's also draw poker on this pack, which seems like the typical five card poker that most people play. It let you like throw away three cards and draw three new cards to make your hand. And then there's also showdown poker, which is a weird version where I think both players play face up and you can only exchange one card or maybe you exchange, you like tell your opponent which card to exchange. I'm not sure uh, what wins the game is still the same as normal poker, but just the rules of how you play it's different. So that was just that pack. It's basically just like four different types of poker. So not too exciting. <laughs> <laughs> then we get to pack three, which is a very strange assortment of games. It's card backgammon, which they call card gammon, uh, which I looked at a little bit, but I can only assume it's backgammon, except you're playing with numbered cards and they figure in somehow to assign value to the different pieces you're moving around. There's concentration, except they're all cards that you're matching. They're not like different shapes. It's just different poker cards under each thing. There's bingo for some reason, but I guess also with cards, uh, filling out a grid except picking random cards. And then there's also this weird like number code generating code guessing game called Mindbender, which I had no idea how it worked. And I don't think the person who was playing it that I was watching had any idea how it worked. <laughs> I just like prompted you to enter a four digit number like six times. And then whoever was playing entered all those numbers. And I just said like, sorry, try next time. So <laughs> I would have to read the rules on that one. But either way, it does just kind of seem like a number guessing game. Pack four was more card games, uh, as you might expect. What? It, <laughs> it had war, uh, one and two player, Crazy Eights, which are both ones that I know. A card game, I have no idea what it is, called Steal the Old Man's Pack. Um, okay. <laughs> but I, I can only assume from the other games and from what I saw of it being played is it's just different rules for another type of card game. And then the fifth and last cartridge, Pack 5, kind of totally throws everything else out the window. And it's just a pack of math games. Uh, it was called the, I think, like Arithmetic Starter Pack or something like that. It had five game modes, but the five game modes were addition, subtraction, multiplication, division, or all of them mixed together. Um, nice. And it, yeah, it was kind of just like a multiple choice math game too. So it like gave you four answers you could choose from to get it. So it seems like a weird thing to like, sure, that's a nice math game for like a kid who got this console. But <laughs> what's the crossover between the audience who would be playing those math games and the audience who would be playing like Texas Hold'em Poker on a I don't know. It seems like right, two right. different crowds. Like I said, you're playing with these really weird long paddle controllers. At some points, it did look like numbers were just cycling and you just had to press yes to select which number and like wait till it cycled through if you missed it. So if there wasn't any directional input to say like, I want to bet 5, 15, 10, 20, and instead you just had to wait for it to tick over to 10, that would be horrendous, but I, I cannot confirm if that's how it actually was. I wasn't too sure how these controllers worked. Don't uh, tell me that you're, you're recommending that the controllers have a numpad on it, Wes. <laughs> In this case, you know, it would have been helpful. <laughs> Instead of just yes, no reset, and maybe directional input under the controller. Like, I have no idea. 
Uh, but let me get into my ratings for this. I hope I haven't sounded too bored with it, but it is a kind of a weird one. Uh, for the graphics, I gave it a one out of 10. I mean, you would hope on a console that is exclusively card games, <laughs> they do really good images of cards, right? But they don't. The cards in this, they can be white, red, or black, which I will give them credit for that. So it kind of gives variation and depending on the suit, they have a different color, but they're just super boring and undetailed. They're very small because I think they wanted to fit like as many of them on the screen as they could for games that required tons of cards. But because they're so small, they just kind of like the size of a domino and they just have one letter or number at the top and a symbol for the suit at the bottom. So it's just like a seven and then a club right under it. And you know what it's saying, but it doesn't look like a playing card. So that I wasn't too impressed with. The text for the game is just all white, plain, descriptive, but I mean, it's just white text and the background is just a solid teal or green. Uh, so it just feels way too simple graphically, especially for something that you would hope is a little bit better than the AY38500. But I don't know. It just, they didn't do much with it, even if it could do a lot. For sounds, also a little disappointing here. I gave it a 0.5 out of 10. Uh, there are just two different beeps across all five cartridges, one low and one high pitch. They aren't overused, so that's nice. But when they are used, it's just thoroughly unexciting. You know, just like a low beep for a card being placed on the table and a high beep if you lose or something like that. Maybe played in succession, but that's about all you get out of it. So nothing good with the sound there, really. Gameplay, I mean, I like card games, but I had to give this a 0 0.5 out of 10 for gameplay. Whoa, come um, on. <laughs> the, the card games, I mean, if you want a console that is dedicated to all the convoluted rules and card games that you wouldn't expect to be on another console, this is probably the one to get, except for the fact that you have to pay for different cartridges to play all of these different games. I mean, it's like... The first cartridge, sure, that's nice to have because you can play blackjack and that's simple, but then you have to pay for the poker cartridge. You got to pay for the one with the war and steal the old man's pack. And it just feels like it doesn't have any novelty to keep it more interesting than playing with an actual pack of cards. I was thinking like the only reason I could see somebody really wanting to pick this up is one, hey, it's cool that it's keeping score on its own and that it's on a TV or you just don't have someone else to play cards with and you want to play against a computer. So that part's nice. But still, it's just, I don't know. It didn't do enough gameplay-wise, and the gameplay felt like slow enough that I would much rather be playing just with like a you know dollar pack of cards I was able to get and just like whip out on the table real quick. So I don't know. It's, it's a little harsh, but for something that just does cards, the gameplay didn't feel like smooth and quick enough to feel good for card games. Mm -hmm. For relevance, this one was in a really weird place for me because... It is relevant in the way that it was using the General Instruments 8800 chip, which like barely anything else used. But because it used that chip and was couldn't do that much and didn't sell very well, it's very irrelevant. So I go back and forth on this. I settled on for now a 3 out of 10 for relevance just because it's so unknown. There's not many of them left. But I do think it deserves a little bit of cred for being like, I think the only console, if not one of the only consoles that uses this chip 
Um, so it's a great example of what this chip could do. And it's uh, nice historically to be able to take a look at that. But as far as the games themselves, I don't find them relevant at all. Uh, it's nice that there's different rules and different types of card games that we haven't seen, but eh, they're just kind of unimpressive. And this console doesn't really do anything to innovate over other second gen consoles. So overall, that left me with a 1 out of 10 for the Unisonic Champion 2711. It's an interesting historical artifact, a rare console that was minimally produced and not kept around, but it doesn't really do anything great other than having a catalog of a lot of card games. I do like that it has that extensive catalog, but I wouldn't say it's like a fun console, and that's kind of a problem. <laughs> right. Yeah, so I don't know. I think it's notable for its part in history, but not a fan of the Unisonic Champion, gotta say. It's weird that it's like this brand new technology almost, and then they're like, let's just do card games. <laughs> I mean, we've seen with other AY3 series mm -hmm. consoles that they're like purpose built for a certain, certain type of game mode. I don't know if that was the case with this, right. but it could have been. Maybe they originally had plans to make larger consoles that were just like this is a bunch of shooting games or something i don't know right yeah but they and, probably were like the writing's on the wall with all these second gens coming out now yeah and i don't think they sold very well when they came out and we did see on one of our main sources for this which is um one that we trust and seems pretty credible they had a list of unreleased cartridges for this okay. and a lot of those sounded like traditional second generation games like a battleship game and i think there might have been a pong game on there um so it could also be that these were the ones that for whatever reason they wanted to get out there first and they did not land right right all right cool another console down man yeah not, still seeing new second gens coming out <laughs> yep yep i think we have two more at least two more second gens coming out this year still so and those ones I know for a fact are going to be pretty good. So, <laughs> okay, okay, um, nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They'll hopefully have more than card games on them. <laughs> but let's let's move on. I do want to quickly mention those other two chips that uh, Wes mentioned: the eighty-eight eighty-eight and eighty-eight eighty-nine. The eighty-eight eighty-eight had two Vegas games on them: blackjack and slot machine. And then the 8889 had tic-tac-toe and a lunar landing game. What okay. a combination. <laughs> <laughs> to my knowledge, there's no console that ever came out with those on them. So maybe they were made and sold, but to my knowledge, they were never made in a console. So we don't really know what they look like. But that kind of does it for like the traditional AY3 whatever line. I mean... The 8900s kind of come up, and we'll talk about it a little bit, but it's no longer just like, we need a chip for this console. It's like, no, we need like a legit CPU now. Right, <laughs> And like yeah. these chips can like help, but <laughs> it's not quite the same thing. So uh, we're definitely not going to be talking about them near as much as we used to. And uh, it kind of, to me, says like, oh, we're kind of like moving along now. <laughs> <laughs> so I like that. That's the hope, definitely. All right, let's move on to the first one that I rated today, Frogs by Sega Gremlin. I'm not quite sure. I think it, I think it was made by the Gremlin devs, but I do think this was right around the time when Sega and Gremlin merged, or Sega bought Gremlin. 
So I think Sega, like when you see it, sometimes the flyers say Sega and sometimes the machines say Sega and stuff. But I think it was made by the Gremlin guys. And uh, this is a really weird one. I want to explain the gameplay first and I'll, I'll say what I think about it. The gameplay is that you're a frog on the bottom of the screen and you've got butterflies, either a fly or a bee, and a dragonfly that'll kind of come in from the sides of the screen and fly around and you just have to jump up stick your tongue out and try to grab them and that's the whole game and then you come back down and you jump up again nice and it sounds so stupid and simple but i actually love this game (laughs) i thought it was just awesome and i could totally see myself playing it for like a long time even though it's so simple but it's just one of those things where like it does those little things just right you know and um it could have just been a terrible game, but it's not somehow. <laughs> uh, so I, I think a big part about it is that the actual frog that you're playing at is just incredibly charming. <laughs> and it's really well animated. In fact, just him, like when you move side to side along the bottom of the screen, he'll jump like a little bit, like a little, it's more of like a just kind of going right to left jump. It's not up in the air at all. But it's kind of like an animation of a frog leaping, just a very small amount, and it's just so well done. <laughs> I can't explain. Oh, nice. It's probably one of the best looking animations that I've seen. I don't know. <laughs> that frog itself has this giant smile on his face. He's like <laughs> loving life, and when the tongue pops out, it's almost got like a hook at the end. <laughs> so it really feels like you're kind of you know, hooking those people like you're dragging them off stage or something, but it's into your mouth. <laughs> and when he comes down with, with a butterfly or something, the frog's just like loving life, man. And it's just incredibly charming. <laughs> so that is a big part of it. The other big part of it is the actual cabinet. It's got this weird, um, I want to say it's almost like a Dr. Seuss artwork style to it. Or it's kind of comic booky, but you also have these really bright, kind of pastel-y colors. And um, basically what you're looking at is is a hand-painted background, first of all, which awesome. Um, again, we say hand-painted background. It could have been like a laminated sheet or something. But hand-painted background, for better or for worse, of basically this little pond with a bunch of like water reeds sticking up and trees and just a blue sky in the background. You're actually on like lily pads. And somehow the game is connected to the artwork where it knows where the lily pads are, even though the actual video display of the game doesn't have lily pads. It's just in the artwork. But if you go off the lily pads, you will like fall into the water and kind of like die. So the lily pads are actually used for something. And then there's also a 3D effect where you have these cardboard cutouts in the same style sporadically back from the screen to where you're playing at so it's just an incredibly good looking cabinet in my opinion it's just super colorful it uses that hand painted background so well and the actual cabinet itself the side artwork is like it's like a a frog with a fly catcher like the actual tool with like a net on it going after these flies it's not that good, but the, the much better part is the front of the cabinet where you're actually like controlling. You have a joystick, which is normal, 
but then you have the lick button or the tongue button <laughs> and you have just like this image of a frog just like with his tongue way out right by that button that i just love all in all i just think the cabinet's super cool the artwork's super cool and the frog is just incredibly charming so um let me go into my ratings because i think you kind of already uh get the get the main points of the game Let's start with graphics since I was just talking about it. I gave it a 3.75 out of 10 because I just thought the graphics are just super good. The animations nice. are great. You can catch butterflies and then flies and uh, a dragonfly. And all of them have animations. The butterflies look really good. The flies, I've heard some people call them bees. Maybe they're bees. Um, but they look okay. And then the dragonfly, that one's look kind of weird to me. They're all very small, to be honest, and they have, um, I think, up to four of them on the screen at any one time. So the frog plus four of these. And uh, the frog has animation for him jumping just left or right across the lily pads, and then when you actually do a jump, he'll jump all the way to the top of the screen, and that, like, whichever way he's facing will be a different sprite, and then on the way down from the jump, it's a different sprite, so he's kind of looks like he's falling down now, which is great. And all the while, you can just go crazy with that tongue button. <laughs> um, you can almost like spam it, which is funny. And uh, I don't know, the whole time, like when the frog's in the air, he's just like, it almost looks like he's doing acrobatics or something. I don't know. I just really like how it looks. And uh, when he like grabs a butterfly or whatever, you kind of see them like coming together then for a little like grabbing animation, which is cool. So... All in all, I just think the game looks really good. It's a combination of the sprite of the frog, which is incredibly detailed and charming, with the hand-painted background, really, is what does it. So, it looks good. For gameplay, I went kind of crazy here, too. Again, 3.5 out of 10. Don't ask me why, but I just think this game would be incredibly fun to play. <laughs> it's in that weird space where it's like, if I go to an arcade, I want to play like weird games like this. I don't know. It's just not your normal kind of game. It's really unique, and it's not one of those things where I would play for like hours and hours and hours. But when I'm at an arcade, I don't have hours and hours and hours. I just want like a really good isolated experience sometimes, and I think this really gives you that. So, yeah, I just think it's really fun. <laughs> it's just enjoyable. Moving on though to the worst rating of the bunch, sound. Not really many sounds here. You've got like a jumping sound, a sound for the tongue, which is almost like a whistle. Or no, maybe the jumping's like a whistle, but then you have a sound for the tongue, and I think that's it. So the sound ah. is not yeah, the sound's not too good. You are kind of jumping around like a lot, but it just needs that like background crickets or something, you know, just to like give it something so that if nothing's happening, it's not completely silent. <laughs> to make it really good in my opinion so I just gave that a one and a half out of ten and then for relevance unfortunately I don't think this game is really remembered very well <laughs> maybe it's just you know there's not a lot of frog games that <laughs> are directly <laughs> cloned from this but um yeah i don't know it, it is sega gremlin so the name behind it is pretty big but 
I think maybe it was during that transition period where the two companies are kind of coming together and this is probably something Gremlin was working on and then Sega was like, okay, we need you to finish that and, and we're going to do this other thing now is my guess. I don't know. But um, yeah, it doesn't seem like it. there's a lot of them around or that it sold super well. So I just gave it a 4 out of 10. But then overall, I gave it a 3.25 out of 10. It's pretty good. <laughs> the frog is just super charming. Uh, it's one of those that I think it'll stick with me for a while. It'll be hard to forget this game. Just like um, you know, some of my favorite games that we've ever done, like uh, Stunt Racer. Yeah, Stunt or Cycle. Stunt Cycle. Yeah. yeah. Stunt Cycle. Like, you don't forget those games because the characters are what you remember. And the character for this is super memorable. So I like that part a lot. It's what seals the game. So, yeah, Frog's pretty cool. <laughs> that sounds awesome, man. I'm, I'm glad you got a... I feel like for a while I was the one who was getting the weird out there arcade games that I just like inexplicably loved, like Dog right. Patch. And uh, right. <laughs> this is your Dog Patch. Yeah, it, it sounds yeah. wonderful. I, I totally understand why you would like it. <laughs> yeah, it's been like a, a trend, I think, for me. If it's got a memorable, charming character to it, it's fun. I don't know. Sometimes that's all you need for the gameplay to not suck. <laughs> yeah, Which yeah. I don't think it is. I think it's fun to have these big long jumps and just spam that tongue button and see what happens. <laughs> also, I do want to say um, towards the end of the, your your gameplay, because it's a, it's a time game, I think you get like 90 seconds and then that's it. But towards the end of that 90 seconds, a uh, dragonfly comes out. There's only one. And if you get it, it's kind of moves around really quick and it's hard to get. But if you get it, you get a full extra 90 seconds. So that's kind of cool. Wow. Yeah. Definitely rewards uh, good, good playing. So I like that. Yeah. And that's kind of a lot of time to add on too. <laughs> it's like a full game. You get yeah. like a f- So that, that's cool. I think when you fall in the water, nothing happens except that you kind of just waste some time. So right. There is this, a special sprite for him falling into the water, which is great. <laughs> oh. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's just really well animated. I think overall my favorite part, just going from side to side across the screen, not even jumping. <laughs> just seeing him <laughs> kind of like do these little, just like a, how a frog would like walk or not walk, but you know what I mean? Just do like these hop, little yeah. jumps. Yeah. It's just <laughs> so well animated. I, I don't know. So, yep. Frogs from Gremlin. Um, the date for that, I've seen some dates say it's November. I've seen more dates say it was October. So I put it at like the very end of October. <laughs> but I have seen dates for November for it, for uh, 78. But either way, it's a, it's a pretty cool one. Nice. That's awesome. Let's uh, keep moving through the rest of our timeline. Next up, we've got an honorable mention with Double Break by Science Engineering. Sometime in 78, this came out, and it looks like some sort of original spin on a breakout-type game, including what looks like a four-player elimination mode, but unfortunately, we don't have much information on it. Mm-hmm. We got another one here. This one's by Sega, actually. The first one of November. We're officially into November of 78 now. It's called Double Block. also seen it called Double Block T3, which I'm assuming is a tabletop version. It's some sort of Pong breakout hybrid. I don't really know that much about it. We haven't got much info because early Sega games, there's just not that much info. Right. Um, I have seen some dates for actually January of 79, but I mean, Pong Breakout, might as well get it over with now. It's not going to be better in January. 
Very true. <laughs> and then we have GT Block Perfect by Sun Electronics, uh, also in November. We don't have any images of it that we could find, but from the information that we do have, it sounds like it was a clone of either Breakout or Super Breakout by Atari. Uh, but again, we don't have too much information on it. But next up, we got something super exciting. We have another Meadows Games game. Oh, yeah. Which I got to take an in-depth look at, and that is Gypsy Juggler. And as you can expect, this one's weird. It's all the weirdness <laughs> that we would hope for from Meadows. Just a little bit of background on the cabinet. It has a carnival gypsy juggling with some people watching on the other side of the screen on the front of the cabinet. And then there's a bunch of circus carts in the background. The sides aren't too exciting, but the artwork of the guy juggling is pretty good. And there's some really great lines in this flyer. Uh, they just decided to go like wild, I guess. Uh, they got one line in here that's, if you can find reverse in a VW, scramble an egg, or find a light switch in the dark, you too can juggle. And uh, the fact that they're specifically referencing the gearbox in a Volkswagen, it just feels very 70s to me. And then also, when talking about why they wanted to make this something you could play instead of just watching people juggle, they said this is one form of insanity that we felt everyone has a right to experience. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so some real choice lines in there. I love the marketing. It's just so strange. Uh, the game itself is controlled with a dial for movement, moving your character across the bottom of the screen, and then one button, uh, which I'll explain what that button does when I get into the gameplay. So as you might guess from Gypsy Juggler, this is a juggling type game with some slight differences from Deadeye and games like Dogpatch, which are also kind of juggling games. This has you juggle eggs, not balls, uh, eggs in your arms and hands that fall from the top of the screen and you get points for each time it bounces off your arms and hands. You get five points if you're only juggling one ball at a time, 50 if you're juggling two at a time, 100 if you're juggling three at a time, and I forget what the last number is, but you can go up to four eggs juggled at a time on screen. And basically every time one of those eggs gets juggled, if there's however many other eggs on the screen at the same time, you get that many points. And it's weird because you can kind of create your own difficulty with this because you get to decide when the eggs show up on screen. So if you wanted to, you could just play this game with one egg juggling, but you would only be getting five points each time. So you can kind of add more in if you want to get more points. The egg's arc also changes depending on where it hits you in your arm. If it hits you on the fingertips, it does like this really wide arc that's hard to catch. But if it hits you in like your elbow, I guess, for some reason, um, it flies like in a more straight up arc that's easier to catch. And they can also hit you in the head, but then they bounce straight up and you don't get any points if they're bouncing off of your head. So eventually you have to hit them off the arms so they curve and you have to go to the other side of the screen to catch them. And if any of the eggs hits the ground, you basically lose a life and you have to start over from one egg again, even if you were juggling four and only one hit the ground. And yeah, the whole difficulty curve thing is still very weird. And it only seems like the game ends when you run out of lives or run out of misses. So I don't think there's any time limit, which is also a little strange because this can be a four-player turn-taking game. So I think if you wanted to, you could just, you know, rack up the high score by only doing five points at a time, juggling one egg forever. 
uh, but I'm not <laughs> nice. positive about that. <laughs> but let me get into my ratings for this. Uh, for graphics, I give it a 2.5 out of 10. As far as colors, the graphics are pretty simple. It's black and white with a color overlay that makes the borders of the screen and the pants of the juggler yellow. And then the rest of the screen is just white with a black background. Uh, so that's not really anything too spectacular, but it does do a really good job in the animation department. The juggler's legs are always kicking out to the side like one foot at a time, kind of like he's doing like a crouched squat dance as he moves back and forth. And that looks really good. It's like more than just two sprites. It's kind of like this fluid animation of him kicking his shoes out. Uh, the juggler himself looks really good too. He's got like a beard. He's got these weird curly-toed shoes and a vest on. And you can make out all those details pretty well. His arms also bend whenever an egg hits him. So like he kind of like shrugs his arm up because they're normally just like straight out to his sides. And it just kind of looks hilarious. And one of the funniest things and one of the things that gives this the most charm is that whenever an egg hits the ground it cracks open a baby chick comes out of it and then walks off the screen <laughs> and that's like how that round ends so it feels like it really just has all the weird animations that i could hope for from meadows game but getting into the sound i also gave that a 2.5 out of 10 the basic sounds for this are pretty simple but i think they're really nice uh there's a beeping like bouncing noise for the eggs dropping and bouncing that even though they're sort of just a straight beep they kind of have this reverberation at the end of them that makes them sound like the stereotypical like boing noise almost mm. um and so it's super weird but i love it because it's just kind of this like different thing it's not just like a pong beep every time they hit your elbows and then there's also a crack noise when an egg hits the ground which is pretty good and a high-pitched beep, which is supposed to be the chick chirping as it walks off the stage, uh, which works really well. <laughs> it's, it's just this like super silly random thing out of nowhere. And at the beginning and end of the game, it plays a really surprisingly long version of the typical carnival merry-go-round like theme kind of song that, I don't know, is in all media. You would know it if you hear it. Is it the... Yes, exactly. And it plays like two verses of that, like it repeats twice, which is really surprising because I would assume that's just more memory that you have to take up on the game. Mm -hmm. um, not too intrusive. It does feel like it goes a little bit long at the end of the game, but it's nice being able to just like hear that much music in a game. for gameplay i also gave this a 2.5 out of 10 i was kind of feeling that number for this whole game uh this is a really nice variation on the typical like juggling type games the eggs are really satisfying because they have this like nice gravity and do a pretty predictable arc based off of where they're leaving from i really like the weird choice to make the player control the difficulty curve because it's basically all up to you if you want to get the high score and make it harder on yourself uh, but you could rack up the high score with just two eggs at a time and make it pretty easy if you wanted the four player mode it's a little disappointing that it's just turn taking instead of like madness with everybody on screen at once but i do think the fact that there's different methods of scoring by like accepting more risk or by playing it safe 
makes that kind of turn-taking high score mode more interesting. Um, and also the four player scores are always on the screen. So I feel like that helps because you can kind of see where your competition's at as you're playing and decide like, oh, there's no way I'm going to make it. I only have one life left. I might as well do all four eggs at the same time and just like throw it all against the wall. Uh, so I think there's kind of some good competitive aspects there. And the way that the eggs move and the way that you move the character also makes me feel like you could definitely like become a master at this game if you wanted to. It just seems like it's predictable enough and uh, the eggs arc in different directions depending on which arm they hit that if you wanted to get like super tactical you could make sure all eggs bounced off one arm first so they go one direction then you catch them all in the same direction uh, and there's just enough nuance there that I think you could if you wanted to like really get skilled at it. For relevance though I just gave it a 4 out of 10 because it's just another weird juggling game uh, <laughs> and I can't say this one really stands out with like any features that I would recognize in games in the coming years. Uh, who knows, maybe we'll get there and there'll be more of this type of game. But it does change up the formula in a nice way. I just don't know if it does anything really like that impactful to define a genre or anything like that. So overall, that left me with a 2.5 out of 10, because honestly, it's just like a solid juggling game. It's got the Meadows weirdness that we love in both the animations and the sounds. And even though the game didn't blow me away, it just did everything like pretty well and put a really interesting spin on gameplay with letting the player control their own difficulty curve. Yep, yep. Nice. That is, yeah, Gypsy Juggler. It's, uh, it's a fun one. It's not the best game out there, but it's all I could hope for from Meadows Games game, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I got a couple things I want to say about it. Um, first of all, one thing that you mentioned, predictable gravity. Where was that in Deadeye? <laughs> that's right, because the coin just floated around forever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's a good improvement. Um, <laughs> the other thing I wanted to know, when I was first looking at it, because the arms are on both sides of, like he's sticking his arms out just kind of like to his sides, right? And you have the head in the middle. I was like, could this possibly be related to circus at all? Just like with eggs instead of people. Yeah, it definitely could be, right? Because it's basically a seesaw. Except, mm -hmm. yeah, I could see Except that. Like you could, you could go like to the same side over and over again, you know? Yeah, I mean, they did a good enough job of making it different that I didn't think of that when I first saw it. But it probably was inspired by that circus genre. That would make a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. Even like with the, with the music at the end, maybe. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, I was just thinking about that. Um, and then the last thing I want to say, this to me is like way more similar to like what I would consider a juggling game from like present day. <laughs> um, like this could be like a mini game at Mario Party, right? And people would be like, yeah, that's like modern. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Other than the graphics and sounds, it does pretty yeah, much yeah. have like everything there. Which the other juggling games, I didn't feel like that so much, like Dog Patch and dead eye like they're kind of there but they weren't quite there whereas this one it's like oh yeah this is juggling so that's true yeah and it is the first one that's like not like a juggling genre you know it's like you're literally juggling so yeah yeah <laughs> it, it definitely does seem like the first of that at least the first uh smooth and like good one that we've seen mm -hmm. yeah so that is Gypsy Juggler, and then we also have a licensed version of Gypsy Juggler that's going to come out by Taito. 
uh, right after that. Yep, and then let's move on to the last one that I rated for today. It's called Orbit from Atari, came out in November, and it's another space war game. Yay. We've done so many. Uh, probably the most notable one we recently did, uh, the one from Cinematronics, which came out late last year, which is a vector graphics version, version which was really popular. And uh, yeah, it kind of makes sense that Atari's like, we should probably jump in on this now. <laughs> I feel like it was probably a more obvious time to do it, but hey, they, they got to the party sometime. Interestingly, we have a fair amount of background behind this game because the developer was Owen Ruin or Owen Rubin, who has his own website and talks about like his experience when he made this game. He said he was asked to make a space war game, but in raster graphics. So this is not vector graphics. And that is a pretty big distinction because usually like I would expect it to be in vector graphics since the last one, like the last major one was. And it just looked so good, like the vector graphics one especially with a game that's in black and white like vector graphics basically mean that the resolution and like the level of detail on the screen is just like incredibly high like as mm -hmm. high as it can possibly be so with raster graphics now we're dealing with like actual pixels and it's only as nice looking as how small of a pixel size you can get so i thought that was a very strange request that Atari made from this guy, but I guess Atari <laughs> didn't want to get into the vector graphics scene, at least at this time. All that being said, though, I think Owen did like a really good job because the pixel size is incredibly low. <laughs> so like one of those spaceships looks like it could be vector graphics. Like it, it's that small. <laughs> so that is pretty impressive. Just the size and detail of the spaceships, they're just very simple. One's like a, like an Enterprise kind of looking ship, and the other one's maybe like a, I don't know, like an X-Wing, but like looking down from the top of it. But they're pretty well detailed and very small, so it gives you that kind of vector graphics vibe, even though it isn't, which is pretty impressive, I thought. It is all black and white because you're in space, and... uh the basic gameplay is the same, you know, it's two spaceships, you're just trying to shoot each other, and there is a uh, sun or black hole or whatever in the middle of the screen, and it has some gravity to it sometimes. You do have some variations in this one. It's, got, it's like a lot of variations, because there's ten difficulties, which, when it says difficulty, it's just like how fast your bullets and spaceship can move, so it's not really, like, difficulty, it's more like movement variations. And then it has ten or no, eight game options, such as turning off the sun, making the sun like super strong. You can turn on space stations, which is kind of new. They let you refuel, which is kind of weird because it seems like you almost always die in one hit anyway. <laughs> but uh, there's space stations for refuel and repair. Um, and then you can just like turn off refueling and repairing. Uh, you can turn on strong gravity. So it's mainly like gravity things. You can make it so that the borders are hard or you bounce off of them. Stuff like that. It's nothing like too crazy. Um, but there are a fair amount of options. And one thing that was critically important is that Owen at the time played the cinematronics version and was like, I hate that this version has all these variations, but you have to pick them at the beginning of the game and then they stay all the way through the game. 
and I'm assuming that was because they wanted you to put in more quarters to try the other ones. <laughs> but he's like, that's annoying. So on this game, you can just hit the buttons in the middle of a game and it immediately changes it. Oh, nice. Yeah, so I like it. At the same time, since it's a two-player game, you could just be like headed towards the sun and turn off the sun. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a little weird, but uh, <laughs> I don't know. It's cool, I guess. I, I mean... I like that you can experiment with that as you're playing the game. So it's definitely a good, good sign. So yeah, why don't I get into my ratings? I would say my overall impressions of the game were I really wasn't looking forward to it because I'm just kind of burned out of this game. But then I looked into it a bit and I was like surprised at how decent it was. <laughs> so let me get into my, my ratings here. I'm going to start with gameplay. I gave it a 3 out of 10, and that's mainly a combination of the fact that it's still Space War, it's still Space War we know and we love. I am kind of tired of the genre by now, but I think the implementation is pretty good. You can shoot, I think, 3 to 4 bullets at a time, and they will travel far. So you can get these crazy, like, shoot a bullet, it wraps around the screen and hits your opponent (laughs) (laughs) kind of things. Um, They can also friendly fire and hit you as well. So you have to be careful, but it's really hectic and really fast because the bullets shoot fast. And that means you could have like six bullets wrapping around the screen going after you. So that hectic nature of it is really what does it for this game and makes it cool. Uh, Some of the other like features of it, the space stations are very strange. I don't know if I like them totally, but I mentioned they can repair your ship and that's because your ship can become partially destroyed. I don't really know exactly how it works because the sprite, it usually looks like the whole back half of the spaceship is just gone. (laughs) So I'm not (laughs) sure how you move into the space station, but you must still be able to move and fire, but your ship is just a lot smaller now. And the other weird thing about it is that I think after one of the players is destroyed, the game continues until I think maybe all the bullets are gone off the screen or maybe it's just a couple seconds. But, like, you can still die after you kill your opponent if, like, one of your own shots came back and got you or you (laughs) ran into the sun or wrong space station or whatever. So um, I thought that was kind of interesting and I liked it. And the fact that you've got 10 variations, 10 difficulties, and they can be changed mid-game, it's pretty cool. The actual game is a timer base, so you have, I think, a minute and a half per quarter. So kind of short, but... At least you're getting a fun, fun minute and a half. So I, I thought the gameplay was pretty good. I gave it a 3 out of 10. For graphics, I gave this a 2.75 out of 10. This one surprised me a lot because without the vector graphics, I thought it would just be these really blocky looking spaceships that took up half the screen and be not good. And they're surprisingly small and surprisingly well detailed. So yeah, I, I was pretty happy about it. The space stations look pretty bad. <laughs> uh, they look just very strange. I don't know. But um, that aside, you do have s- just stars in the background just for something so it's not completely black and they do flicker. So that's cool. The sun looks pretty bad. But <laughs> all in all, I was just super impressed with the resolution of everything and um, the fact that you do have like some flickering stars and stuff to make it feel like that triple-A space war experience that you would be getting if you had played the cinematronic version. So I was pretty impressed with the graphics. I gave it a 2.75. For sound, 
I don't know. It's it's okay. Um, you do have engine sounds, but they only play when you move, which in some of the game modes you have a lot of like momentum. So you definitely don't have your boosters on much. So sometimes it can be just kind of silent. Um, you do have the shooting noise, but they're kind of like almost pong bleeps and bloops. So I wasn't like such a fan of those. I, I thought the engine sound as well was kind of like a little lackluster. So I, I didn't think the sounds were anything to write home about. I just gave it a two out of 10. And then relevance, I gave it a five out of 10. I wasn't quite sure. I don't think the game sold too well for Atari. I mean, it definitely didn't like rival the cinematronic one to my knowledge, but uh, I don't think it's bad either. And I'm sure it sold somewhat. So, I mean, just cause it's Atari essentially. So um, yeah, just put it in the middle there. And then it left me with an overall score of 2.5 out of 10. It's a pretty decent version of Space War, which is saying a lot because we've seen a lot of them. But <laughs> <laughs> like if you're not playing the vector graphics version, I feel like you definitely should be playing this version. So I think that that says something. I think I would probably still play the vector version over it just because of how good the vector version looks. But even like something like when your spaceship gets hit, like the destruction animation, is it actually is like you see pieces of the ship like flying apart, which is something from the vector graphics version that was so good. And they managed to replicate it in raster graphics, which is just awesome. So I think you can even be hit by the debris of the opponent's ship and die too, which is awesome. (laughs) Yeah, that's really cool. So, uh, yeah, it was surprisingly good. I thought I would kind of not like it. And, um, I was pretty happy with it, honestly. Nice. That's cool. Atari's still delivering. I mean, they, yeah, someone else beat them to it this time and they're like, crap, well, we can still do something pretty good. <laughs> yeah. 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 So that was pretty cool about it. So going to the next one here, just got a couple more honorable mentions for you guys. You got scrambled by Vector Beam. This is a company that we're going to be keeping our eyes out for. Um, hint, hint. <laughs> this one most likely came out in November and was a video pinball game that never went into full production. There was one video for it. But um, I didn't feel comfortable for rating it. So you guys can find that on YouTube. But we just didn't have that creative info to really uh, give it a fair look at. And then there was also Scramble by ADP, which is a licensed version of the Vector Beam version. Mm-hmm. And then we have Space Stranger. This was the Space Invaders clone that came out in November, although I have seen dates for January of 79. It was by Yachio Electronics, I think distributed by Huawei, so just a Space Invaders clone, but it had some unique sprites and um, had color overlays. And then after that, uh, Huawei and Data East came together to make Super Space Ranger, the second version of it, which, or Space Stranger, sorry, uh, which we can only assume is a sequel to the first Space Stranger. But again, not too much info on it, other than that it's probably an improved version of their first Space Invaders type game. And then also there was Super Space Stranger by Esco Trading, which was a cloned or licensed version of Super Space Stranger. And then the last one for you guys today, we've got UFO by Universal, another one that came out in November. And it's some sort of Pong game. I think you had to like 
try to hit certain targets on the screen with your pong ball, but I think we only had a flyer and it wasn't that helpful. <laughs> so it's some sort of pong <laughs> game. But yeah, that'll do it for us today, guys. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. We talked about three very small companies that we're never going to hear from again. Century Consolidated, Sofadis, <laughs> Sofadis, I don't know, and uh, TBM. Two of them we know for sure were uh, foreign companies. Um, one is still around today, TBM. And then we covered a bunch of actually like pretty cool games, I thought. I mean, the Unisonic Champion wasn't great. <laughs> Not as much, no. <laughs> it was a second-gen console, and they're always interesting to look at. But then we did Frogs, which was a great game. Chipsy Juggler, which, again, was very unique. And Orbit, which was surprisingly decent. So, yeah, some pretty cool arcade games in there for November. Yeah, continuing to find these interesting gems that we have never heard of. And uh, it's always <laughs> fun to just get these total weird games but if you guys enjoy listening and following along please make sure to follow us on twitter where we'll post any announcements about our new episodes coming out or if we don't have an episode coming out for a week uh, send us an email if you have any questions and check out our website because we're always updating it with publishers and the different companies who went out of business and aren't around anymore when we can add a profile on them and give you guys a little bit more info yeah, and with that, we will see you guys in the next one. See you all next time.